I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which this recording takes place, the Wadandi and Bibbulmun people of Wudichup in the southwest Bujara region in Noongabudja, also known as Margaret River. I acknowledge their continuing connection to the land, waters and community. I pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Hey there, welcome back to the Men's Sex and Pleasure podcast. I'm your host, Cam Fraser. This is episode number 103. We're talking all things masculinity, sexuality, male bodies, and men's experiences of pleasure. And today I have the pleasure of welcoming back a guest. This is the second time I've done this. This is Yuval Mann coming and joining me again. Yuval is the founder of the Central Alchemy School of Integrated Sexuality, his personal sex and relationship coaching business, which teaches people how to have epic sex and legendary love. During his 20s, Yuval carried a bag full of trauma, shame, and guilt around his sexuality and relating to women due to his upbringing in an extreme Jewish Orthodox community. After leaving that community, Yuval embarked on a long journey of discovery into letting go of that shame, the blockage, and everything that was holding him back from making love with himself, with women, and with the world. And in this particular episode, Yuval and I kind of pick up on threads from our first episode together, uh, but we specifically start to focus a bit more on something that he's really passionate about, which is shibari, also known as Japanese rope bondage and what he's learned from his experiences with Shibari, particularly around communication and surrender and dominance. We also talk about the industry of sex coaching and sex educating uh, just in general. And we focus as well a little bit specifically on how this work is received on social media, as well as the barriers for sexuality professionals online. So if you're interested in that, uh, I encourage you to listen. And if you're interested in finding Yuval online, uh, you can find him on TikTok, which is yuvalman.s. And for those that aren't familiar with the spelling, that's Y-U-V-A-L-M-A-N-N dot S, just the letter S, or here on Instagram, or, <laughs> or on Instagram, I suppose, at yuvalmans. Uh, so... Yeah, I enjoyed connecting with Val. We've known each other for a little while uh, and it's always a pleasure talking with him. I always learn a lot from him. Uh, so I hope you enjoy listening to this episode. When a boy is between the ages of 13 and 16, the testes begin to produce sperm cells. The old contraceptive, uh, the condom, it's uh, wrapped in rather a sort of crinkly paper. John, let's be straightforward about this. I'm not here to make a moral judgment, but you and I know that it was contracted through sexual intercourse with an infected person. Now, I'll ask you to reintroduce yourself for people that maybe haven't listened to the first episode or, you know, to just give you opportunity because it has been quite a while since we spoke last to tell me what's been going on the last kind of year or so and um, and how your work has maybe shifted over the last uh yeah, over the last year. Well, actually, I'm happy that we get to have this conversation again because I feel that my work has drastically shifted in many ways since uh, last year. But, um, just then, as I am now, I'm just nobody. I'm a simple human being in a complex world. And um, as I'm sure you can relate to that, when some people devote their life to, I don't know, painting or music or whatever it is, for me, it was always human sexuality. Um, and yes, I'm curious also about like the technical stuff, the biological, the science part of all of it. But more than anything, for me, it was the, the connection between the seen and unseen and modalities and concepts and practices that can help us dance with life and make love with life and with each other. Um, and I would say that that's, that's really the, the nature of my work and that's what I help people do. And I'm not a coach. I'm not a teacher. Um, I don't know, at best, I may be a content creator. <laughs> um, I love writing. I love talking and giving talks and workshops and retreats and just helping people. Um, 
so yeah, this is what I do. I help people dance with their life and make love with reality and with their lovers and partners. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. I think I've seen you getting more and more, or at least maybe you've been, you've probably been doing it this whole time, but you've been showcasing it more online, I suppose your, um, rope tying. Is that fair to say? Yeah. So actually I was doing rope before I started sharing things and like making this actually my work. Um, I got fascinated about bondage. Um, I mean, I've been in the kink and fetish scene for quite some time, maybe since 2014, when I first discovered this in uh, Berlin in the <laughs> darker corners of the city. Um, and since I was traveling uh, this whole decade, I was coming into a new city and kind of like searching and discovering the kink fetish communities in every city that I go, the sex positive environments, the clubs, the, you know, everything. I was very, very much into this kind of stuff, the exploration of power dynamics, power play, kink fetish, and so on. <laughs> I was fascinated not only by the level of potency that is that i experienced while you know uh, mixing these kind of practices within my sensual erotic life but also more more than that um as i mentioned in the beginning the element of deep healing and really powerful ex like almost spiritual experiences that i <clears throat> realized are possible within those practices and so I think it was 2017, maybe, or maybe 18, that I um, I was in Japan for business. Back then I was like working in tech, I was doing fundraising for tech stuff, for tech companies, like far cry from what I'm doing now. Um, and uh, I was there with my ex-girlfriend and we happened to see a show um, I think this is what I, I was introduced to. It. Like I probably saw it here and there in like sex clubs, but this is the first time that I saw like a show of like a master tying up uh, someone uh, with rope. Like I, I was introduced to the Japanese art of, of bondage and I was like activated. I was fascinated by it. It was so beautiful. Um, I then and there uh, reached out to like a very known master that lives in Japan, uh, Steve Osada, his name. He's been doing rope for like 60 years or some shit. He's really old. Um, and I took some private classes with him in his studio um, and then continue studying under different teachers, under different kind of like styles and lineages of rope. Um, there is another amazing teacher and rope artist. Uh, her name is Tatiana Tatilimati. Um, she's also one of my teachers. She's incredible. Um, and a bunch of others here and there. And yeah, it just became kind of like what I love doing in my free time. Um, at some point, I, I also thought that I fell in love with the aesthetics of it as well. So I started taking photos and some photograph, photograph of friends of mine started taking photos. So, you know, um, I started my uh, rope Instagram. Now it's kind of there. I'm not super active on it. I'm still practicing rope, but I'm not super active on the posting of it. I feel like it's a good supporting system to my work. It's kind of like uh, this portfolio of like, I'm talking with you about intimacy. Here's here's what I know how to do. You know, it's kind of like, <laughs> it helps. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just a fun, fun little addition. Yeah, beautiful, man. I um, have been to a couple of rope, like Japanese rope bondage performances. Um, there's a guy here in uh, Australia who is quite well known. His name's Avalon, um, or um, his name's yep, Paolo. Yeah, yep. um, and I've had a couple of really beautiful conversations with him. Um, and I've I've been to a couple of uh, workshops, and yeah, it's super interesting to me. I've never really like had a lot of desire to explore it beyond you know that kind of surface level um, experience. I like in terms of bondage i prefer restraints like i prefer um cuffs or you know um other simpler ties i suppose um i'm not necessarily like the art form of 
rope I'm happy to observe, not necessarily to practice. Um, and I, I, you know, with my partner use different restraints, but the, um, but I, I like the idea of integrating, I mean, kink in general, but like the, the principles and philosophies of, of kink and fetish into our sexuality and spiritual practices. I think there's so much overlap, which is not acknowledged. I think the, the, in the, the only space that I've really seen it acknowledged is maybe like, yeah, in Japanese rope bondage where there's like the element of like energetics and power play kind of come into it. And that's also where we can kind of talk about tantra a little bit and the power play and the energetics of like, you know, sacred sexuality. I think that's the only overlap that I've really seen, but I, I, I really believe there's so much more overlap, but that's the only part that's really being explored. And so I'm wondering in your own work, man, how have you seen these two worlds kind of integrate? Yeah, definitely. So I, I think this is the main thing beyond like the aesthetics and the, you know, the fun and pleasure that, you know, me and my rope bottom can <clears throat> drive from the practice. This is really what drawn me into the rope stuff because leading to that point, I was spending a lot of time and, you know, F, like spending a lot of time practicing all kinds of like BDSM kinky, you know, um, power dynamics in my own life and, you know, other settings. And, um, suddenly I saw rope and I was like, wow, this is what I was actually searching for. This, this is like a beautiful example of the whole reason why I'm so drawn to this world and this beautiful, perfect, um, balance between, um, our dynamic, a very sen a very sensitive approach to energy in the space, and using a tool that is it's a bit different than than, than bondage people usually use, uh, which is leather. Um, as you say, cuffs and all this stuff is easier. It's more portable. It's like, but it's very different. It's sensation on the skin, the 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 level of the spaciousness, the possibilities that you have with rope is just completely on another level of what you can create with it, the way you move it on the skin, the levels, the amounts of tension that you can control, the aesthetics of the whole thing. The, the, there is also a very particular relationship that I feel is being created between the rope bottom, the person that I'm tying up, and the rope, which I've never found with, with leather. Leather is this like cold kind of distant fabric that is not really connecting with a person and the rope somehow, especially this, the rope that we use for, for professional Japanese bondage, it's something else. It, it really creates a different atmosphere. Um, and um, because it's a more versatile tool, it takes you longer and it takes you years of really learning and you know perfecting your craft. So the whole process is longer, and you need to be much more mindful about it, you know, versus just putting some some cuffs and then she's restraints and you yeah. And there is a big difference between um, between rope that has been used for me at least um in the bedroom and between rope that is being used as an art form in a set like i don't mix the two very often um and especially when i do sessions with, with people there is no sexuality involved whatsoever barely even like touching the areas of genitals maybe sometimes just moving the rope slightly close to something to make to make a, um, a pleasurable sensation while she's experiencing pain so it's a beautiful mix but other than that, there is no sex involved. And so it's really all about eroticism and pain and pleasure and this whole, you know, spiritual experience of surrendering to pain and like trusting um, me, trusting the rope, trusting, you know, the experience, which I've never found um, in many other places, or at least, like you said, it's not talked about as much. Um, and so, yeah, um, but this is something that I brought back with me to everything else that I do, which I feel can be explored without any tools whatsoever, because it's all about the energy that you bring into the space. And so, yeah, there is a beautiful intersection between, I mean, if you really, if you really, you know, 
meditate on that for a second. We are spirit. Everything is spirit. You know, like there is what we see, what we sense, and there is another element that observes things at all times. And everything that we experience all around us is the dance between these two. You can call it feminine and masculine, which is in the space of sacred sexuality. People really love discussing on awareness and matter in that terms, and they call it feminine and masculine. And I feel like there is a beautiful intersection that can be more deeply explored in the realms of power dynamics between that dance of the feminine and the masculine, which I found to be incredibly interesting to explore with rope specifically, but can be explored anywhere. Um, I don't know if you want me to talk about something specific or like get into more details practically, let me know. But yeah, you, you, you give me the direction of what you want me to talk about because it's a very broad kind of yeah, totally, man. No, I get it. I um, I guess like I'm like if I follow my own curiosity based on what you've shared, I'm like um, something you, you said which I thought was quite interesting, um, which I haven't really thought about because I don't practice rope, for example, I don't do sessions with it. Is um, you said you know there's there's a difference between using rope in the bedroom versus using it for maybe for art or, or for performance or for a session. And when you're doing that, you said you're able to take sexuality out of it. It's kind of more about eroticism versus the sexual elements of it. And so I'm wondering, like, how do you make that distinction? And what is it that you do so that you aren't bringing your sexuality or your sexual energy into that space and you're making it about the, the rope bottom and, and the person who's being tied up? Sure, that's an epic question, actually. Um, which is, yeah, it, it's it's cool that we can dive deeper into that specific element because I feel that it is one of the biggest teachings that Rope taught me, is that sex is much, much, much more than just the sexual act of penetration or genitals, genital pleasure, and it actually is tremendously wider. And it has to do with attraction, eroticism, fantasy, um, you know, and, you know, the psychology behind everything that, that we experience, what we bring with us from childhood into the mix, what we bring with us from the porn that we watch, from, like, everything together makes this pile of, you know, you can, what I, what I like to call it is erotic intelligence, um, some call it different other names. I like to call it erotic intelligence. There's this book that you actually recommended me and that I, I, he, he calls this whole thing, uh, intelligent lust, which I like too. Um, but, um, what I learned is that like while using the rope, like you mentioned, I saw that there is so much more room for play and exploration without even getting into the, the sex part of it that is in it of itself not just incredibly transformative but satisfying and interesting and just infinitely fascinating <clears throat> and that's in the context of rope is very easy to kind of like do because Honestly, when you're in a serious rope session with someone, it's not really convenient to have sex. Like, especially if you are um, doing it, um, you know, like tying someone from the ceiling, vertical um, suspension, or like complex stuff. You need to be so enmeshed with your work and so focused and so careful and so like in the flow that like sex is just not part of it. You can use rope in more, you know, simple ways and like definitely use it in the bedroom in a sexy way, but it's completely different when it's done in a serious like setting. And as I experienced more and more and more of these experiences, although they were very erotic, very attractive, very com compelling sexually, very awakening sexually for both of us. Um, it was like a setting that starts, gets to the remedial, gets to the end with no sexual interaction whatsoever, yet both of us were ending up in, in a certain kind of high that you usually experience after a good sexual experience. And I was like, that's really interesting. There is something beyond genitals here in play that is just maybe has to do with my energy 
you know, sexual energy, the life force that is moving through me. And I found rogue to be one interesting practice to transmute that energy and play with it without necessarily going to sex. And I took that with me to outside of the rope completely and made it one of my practices. You know, like I love playing with that energy with someone, you know, and which led me later to experiencing things that I've never even knew possible, like a full body orgasm with clothes on, for example, as a man, which is something that you don't really hear a lot of people experiencing or even hearing about. Um, and it all has to do with looking at sexuality more of as a spectrum than like a one goal kind of, you know, directional um, play that has to do only with genitals and penetration and oral and anal sex and so on. And actually looking at it as a, a whole spectrum of play of energies, a whole spectrum of play of, you know, mind, body, spirit, and everything that is in it. And that's, I think, the most beautiful thing that Rope taught me. Um, so you ask how I do it, it's just intentions, you know, it's just intentions. When you bring that intention into the dynamic and you are aware of your sexual energy, where it's located in your body, how does it move? And you're able to meaningfully communicate that energy and express that without necessarily making things sexual. So you use your breath, you use your breath, you use your, um, presence, you use your, you know, you and, and you make it a, you make it an art. You make what you do an art that is has no goals. You know, um, you can imagine if you give it a real life analogy, that an artist that is about to create something, he has a very specific goal in mind of what he wants to create in here. It's going to look a bit differently, and it's going to probably end up being quite dry compared to yes, having somewhat of an idea of where you're going, but really letting the flow comes and like following your creativity creating force and letting it take you. And sex is the same thing. You have to make it an art in order for you to experience the whole spectrum of what sexuality actually is. Mm, yeah, man. I, I like that idea of like setting an intention for like what this experience is going to be about. Cause you know, you can do that with, with anything essentially, right? Like that's, that's a really you know, beautiful practice to, to start doing. And I often say that to people that are self-pleasuring, for example, it's like, what, What's your intention with this self-pleasuring yeah, practice that you're doing or with this erotic ritual that you're performing with yourself? Um, and so I like the idea of bringing that into, into you know, I mean, art, but also, you know, rope as well. And um, it's interesting. I hadn't heard someone say that, like, just by virtue of you having to be focused on the rope and the ties and the things that you're doing, it kind of just the sexual element kind of isn't there because you're focusing on on what it is that you're doing in the first place. So um, I hadn't heard someone say that. So that's quite interesting. I guess like uh, in terms of um, then bringing it into the, like in terms of like introducing the sexual element and like bringing it into the bedroom, right? Or, or you know, bringing it into like a sexual space where you want to incorporate sex with the rope bondage. Like how is that different then? What what What's different about that um, compared to like when you're using it for the artistic or, or the performative uh, way of using rope? Well, for starters, it's really, like you said, is the intention. Um, you know, like you really you are in a different space. So <clears throat> unlike when it comes to like a rope bondage session, it will be previously um, negotiated and discussed. What are we about to do here? What, what is the, you know, like I, I don't do any session with anyone, especially if they are new and I'm meeting them for the first time before negotiating, what is it you want to get over it? What is it that I want? You know, and, and stating very clearly that there is no sexuality involved and I'm not to, taking it to any sexual place and it's about the rope. And usually I also, especially if it's someone who is not experienced with rope, I'm telling them like what rope is all about and that yes, it can be painful, but don't worry. I'm doing it in a way that is very safe for your body. So, and I'm giving them the like green, red and, 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 uh, and yellow uh, signs to, you know, like have a safe way to tell me when something is too much, if it's too painful, blah, blah, blah. and we're talking about that and discussing that. So there is a whole preparation which like sets the intention in and it's very clear what are we here to do. In the bedroom, usually when whenever I get to use it, which is not very often, to be honest, um, mostly for technical reasons, because I don't want my rope to be, uh, to be dirty with like bodily fluids. 
um, because then I need to clean it and like put oil on it and all the, the shebang. So like, I just rather use something much simple. But if you are using it, the application will be much simpler. So you'll, you'll do something that is very easy to make, very quick, very um, easy to take off and very safe on the body without much requiring much attention to it. Um, and that in and of itself, making it for a very different kind of, you know, ties that you will use. Um, generally speaking, in bed, I like to use rope in, if you're using it in a sexual experience in two main ways. So one will be restraints, like just as much as you use it, like tying the hands to the sides of the bed or things like that. Um, there is also some um, harnesses that you can uh, put on different places on the body, especially what I like is on the hip area. So it's a harness that makes it, first of all, easy to grab her body and also to spread her cheeks. So it's like really, really enhancing both her sensation and experience and also yours. It's like really fun addition. Um, and those are mainly like the two ways that I like to, that I like to use. Is it like either restriction or like some kind of harness that just enhance the, you can just do like create a collar out of it and, you know, be creative. But I think generally speaking, the whole, the way I like to bring intentionality into the bedroom, whether the desire right now is play with rope and uh, try different things, or is it going like, and having a more sexual, you know, um, genital-based experience is three things, intention, attention, and connection, um, which I advocate quite often. Intention is setting an intention, like what it is that I want to bring you and staying with that intention throughout the place. It can, doesn't, it's not necessarily what I want to happen, but rather what kind of experience I want to bring. It can be like having an experience to, of healing, you know, like I see my partner and I worship her body and I see it as a temple and I want to be an agent of love and nourishment and pleasure and healing for her. You know, that's a powerful intention to have. Um, and then attention, which is bringing continuously practicing, like making sex, your meditation, making sex, your yoga. It's like taking your entire awareness and bringing it continuously back to the moment, back to the moment, the bodily sensations, your breath and so on. And then connection. Just continuously keeping the connection, which is something that is really easy to, to get lost in, especially people who learn most of what they know about sexuality from porn. They see porn that is devoted from intimacy and, and connection. And so a lot of times they get like people get focused on their own physical sensations and kind of like forget there is a partner there. So continuously making an effort to keep that connection going, sinking your breath together and looking each other in the eyes, like getting not just putting your um, attention on your own body bodily sensations but on hers bodily sensations and vice versa um so these three things are what really helps me keep that going um within a certain space and it's true also in a space of rope that is not sexual you know it's like continuously um yeah and it's something that definitely rope taught me yeah, that's really beautiful, man. And I, I, the reason why I probed about like the distinction between those two uh, ways of using rope is because I definitely had this, I you know, perception, I suppose. And I suppose if I've had this perception that I know other people have, which is that like where you like you're using rope like in harnesses and tying up people to ceiling, but but like having sex whilst doing that, right? Like that's the kind of perception that I originally had before I even knew anything about, you know, Japanese rope bondage and shibari, I was like, oh, it's a sex thing, right? And and people are using these crazy ties and going into these various positions um, in order to to be sexual and, and to have sex in those positions. But I quickly learned that that was not the case. And, um, and that's why I think having these conversations and, and just kind of like demystifying the way that rope can be used is is really beneficial and i'm and i'm wondering have you come up against that like when you start to explain kind of the way that you use rope and and what it is and and how you go about it that people are like oh i actually didn't realize that that was what it was yeah definitely um i think that what i what i uh, met is a lot of um preconceived notion from people that 
think that I have sex with everyone that I see on my on my Instagram feed. Um, all the models that I ever work with and everyone I do sessions with, which cannot be farther from the truth. You know, like very often I get requests for a session. Or these days I'm not doing it for payment anymore because I just, I don't know, looking at the, the cultural zeitgeist that we are in, I just don't want to even put myself in a position like that at all. Um, and so I only use it with people I'm either intimate with, like my partners that become like long-term role partners or in a setting that is about a collaboration. So doing rope and bringing a photographer in and creating some good photos that both of us can use and, you know, everybody having a good experience. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a known misconception that rope has to do with sex. And I think in general, like that fetish has to do with sex, that kink has to do with sex, that, you know, everything is about just penetration and fucking. And in reality, I've been in, if, if we take it a little bit, even outside to the more broader, like community of kink and, and, you know, sex positive, you can find the broader term. Like I would go to sex positive um, parties, events, um, you know, even even king clubs, and experience a lot of beautiful experiences that has nothing to do with sex. Like people have this like Im- image that if you go to like a sex club, everybody are fucking everyone all the time, and although that experience is definitely there, the majority of or people in the majority of the time, it's not even happening. Like I know in my personal experience, I prefer the one-on-one experience when it comes to going sexual with someone. It's just like how I feel the most comfortable, it's how I can create the most level of intimacy. And I feel like, you know, the most spiritual experience that can be created. I'm still attracted to going to more public settings because there is just something in the energy, the frequency is just so high when you are in a space when people can bring the fullness of themselves without any judgment, without any restrictions, other than, of course, keeping themselves and everybody else safe. And and when there is really um, an environment that people do feel safe in that is being created, it's profoundly beautiful. And I feel that being in such environment and Feeding off that kind of energy inspires me on many levels in my own life. It's like, you know, when we talk about sexual energy and surfing the wave of sexual energy, it's not just in my own sexual energy, it's also in the collective. Like you feed off other people's life force. And when you are in such a place that vibrates on such high frequency in everybody's, you know, life force, sexual energy is just out and about. That's a very, you know, beautiful place to be in. And it's the same for me with rope, you know, like people have this misconception that everything has to do with sex, but it's erotic. I'm definitely finding it attractive to playing with power and like, you know, but it doesn't have to be connected to sex whatsoever. Actually, the majority of, of, of humans that I got to be, to have in my rope, I've never had any sexual encounter with, um, I find this beautiful. Hey there. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I hope you're enjoying this episode. I just wanted to chime in here with a plug for my online men's course. It's called Outperform a Porn Star. It goes for six weeks and it's all about experiencing multiple orgasms, overcoming any uh, sexual dysfunctions, reframing your whole performance mindset around sex to be more pleasure oriented. We talk about communicating with your partner, being a sexual leader and all of this amazing stuff. So if you're interested in learning how to outperform a porn star, head to my website, www.cam-fraser.com. Let's get back to this episode. Yeah, man, you you said something there, which is um, I really resonate with, which is like the reason why people kink shame, you know, it's because people are like, how do you find that sexual, right? Because we've got this very society's got this very limited view of what sex is which is and you you said it before it's like just fucking and penetration that's kind of what we consider sex this is a very like small sliver of what 
sex and sexuality can be. Um, but because we've kind of pigeonholed sex as that particular thing, this narrow kind of way of looking at it, a lot of people just don't understand. Like they're just, they're like, oh, I'm just, what? Like why? Why is this sexy to you? Why is this particular type of role play sexy? Like what? What is it about it? And it's and it's because we have such a limited view of what what sex is and and what sex can encompass and entail. And um, and yeah, I, I notice that a lot when I start to open up about um, about kink and BDSM and it's not something that I, I talk a lot about. Um, it's not something I've got a lot of experience with, but um, when I do talk about it, the, yeah, the, it just, people are just confused. And I think that's a real shame because there's a lot of uh, value in exploring areas of your sexuality that don't explicitly involve a sex act. And, um, and, and yeah, people aren't, I mean, from what I've observed anyway, like a, a lot of people aren't going there, you know, they aren't exploring that part of themselves. And, um, yeah, and I think that's a shame. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there is, it seems like the together with the psychedelic Renaissance that uh, seems to be happening right now in our culture, there is also another sexual Renaissance that is happening. Um, I feel like people are more and more open, like having a profession like you and I have is more and more and more like an acceptable thing in society, um, which is incredible on many levels. I, I feel like, you know, even the sheer fact that we don't have to be scholar academics, um, but nevertheless, very avid enthusiasts of sex who have access to all the information that scholars can, can have access to and can learn by ourselves from curiosity and, you know, um, and, and like real life experience. That's incredible. And also it's something that is acceptable. Like I just started um, a TikTok channel like a month, month and a half ago. And I have tons of, like it's blowing up and people seem to really love that, that there is a human that speaks their experience and experiences verbally and continuously advocate for them to be just more honest and mindful about their sex life. You know, like the amount of messages that I get from people, especially women telling me, yeah, I want to explore more sexually with my husband or with my partner, but I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to tell him without hurting him. And I'm like, look, like there is no other ven like venue than just being honest. Like if he cannot take it, then it's his problem. You know, like you need to learn to be honest and open. And they all ask me for these tips. Like, how can I make him? Like, how can I be sneaky about it? Like, no, you can't. We just need to normalize having a discussion about sex, you know, like if you're unhappy with your sex life, talk about it, do something about it, be open about it. And just the ability to be an advocate for such things and have it be acceptable in our society. I think it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful progression, you know, like I don't imagine 20 years ago, you know, me being able to do it in the same way and having the channels and the, the, the reach that I can have now, it's just amazing. You know? Yeah. I really, I really have like a respect for people, people that had like came like the generation before us, right. That like the, the people that were torch bearing sexuality and, you know, kind of pioneering all these things, like people that are in their like 60s, 70s, 80s now who didn't have, really access to social media. The internet wasn't huge and, um, and, and like didn't really have anyone before them kind of going like, here's what you can do. Here's trainings. Here's all these stuff. They were kind of like, they kind of created the field, right. Of, of modern day kind of sex coaching and the stuff that we, you and I do, I suppose, and, and people in our line of work. And, um, and yes, yeah, so I've got a lot of, a lot of respect and, and gratitude for like the generation before, before us and um you're right there's something um a comment that i often see on on your social medias on your tiktok but also on like some of the videos i've started to post is how do i send this to my partner without sending it to them 
And it's like, you know, or how do I tell my partner this without actually telling him? (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's such a weird comment to me because I'm like, just fucking send it. Like, what what are you trying to, you know, what what are you trying to, you know, undercut it for? Like, just. Hey, here's what I want. Can we do that? What's the problem? Yeah. Like, why? Yeah, it's, but I think it speaks to like this idea of people being like, there's just so much fear around sex and sexuality, right? Like people are afraid of, not only speaking their desires, but also afraid of what their partner might think and afraid of what their partner might do. And, um, and and there's a fear of also getting what it is that you want as well, right? We kind of sabotage and shoot ourselves in the foot um, because we're, we're scared of maybe getting, maybe what if our partner said yes, or you know, what do we do then? Um, so there's like, there's just so many layers of fear and, and, um, and anxiety around, uh, around sexuality that we just like slowly need to peel back. And, um, and you're right, we are very lucky to be able to do this work and I feel very privileged to be able to do this and, and kind of help people peel those layers back. Um, but yeah, it just sometimes seems, I like how you said there's a sexual renaissance, man, because sometimes I just get in my little dark hole when I'm on the internet and uh, just feel like it's just a massive uphill battle and it's just insurmountable and, uh, and there's no point doing this work. But you're 100% right, man. There, you know, there, there is a resurgence and a renaissance and, um, and I think there's going to be a, a lot more liberation in the in the years to come definitely definitely and um yeah i think the the more powerful the thing the more the higher the fear of it like you can look at any look at deep profound sexual experiences like direct experiences of the divine for example they usually include like ego death or like just entering this void of having no you and just you know, just like really scary things, you know, um, and you look at death, you know, this can be a transformative experience and we are, that, that's the, the biggest human fear there is. And I think sexuality is a very similarly, a very similar thing. It's a very potent and very um, prominent, you know, part of our lives that is unexplored and there is something i feel there is something intuitive in us that is afraid of it of like what we might what we might discover who we might be on the other side of really going full in and experiencing and exploring and like you know being allowing ourselves to be fully honest and fully vulnerable and really exploring what's what can be experienced for us and who we are as sexual beings who am i as a sexual being, what does it mean about me? Oftentimes, I think for all people, I would just generalize here. It means a lot of also like weird, dark shit that we are uncomfortable with. You know, we all have these like strange fantasies that we are ashamed of. And we are also afraid of not being enough or, you know, finding out that we were, we are not as good and bad as we thought we are, you know, like, and there is room for improvement, which is the case for most men out there, unfortunately. Um, and women, <laughs> not uh, trying to kind of like uh, put all the responsibility on one gender or the other, but it's just, you know, like, it's just that women in general are way, way, way more open and willing and vulnerable and wanting to experience the depth of sexuality and men in our culture are sadly not, not yet, not in the same way. <clears throat> and so, yeah, it's scary and I get it. And, um, oftentimes like some people, people deal with fear in different ways. Some people have this either learned or innate, um, tendency to go to walk towards the pain and be like, okay, if I'm afraid of this, I must go and fucking see what's it, what it's all about. Um, and some people deal with pain by, you know, uh, shaming other people, like all these negative comments that both you and I get often on that, especially from men of like, oh, you know, what the fuck are you talking about or whatever, just like shaming you for, for something. And, and you just look at it and it's like, I, I see a scared little boy that is just afraid of, ex- of seeing what is really possible. And he sees another human being that embodies everything that he's afraid of. Of course, what comes out is, is, is hate, you know? And so I see that in that light. And instead of being like, oh, I should maybe not do what I do. I'm being like, okay, that's all of a more reason to keep fucking doing it no matter what. And, um, 
believe me, I resonate with what you say on uphill battle. My Facebook account got deleted one day. My Instagram account with MK followers deleted twice. Many of my videos are being removed from TikTok for no fucking reason, even though I continuously on all of these platforms, check out the community guidelines, which not a lot of people do, and make sure that my content follows all of them. But obviously, they don't give a shit. Um, and they will still just like make it harder for you for some reason. Um, which I feel is the, um, it's very much the collective embodiment of that individual fear that I just talked about. It's just the, the, the pinnacle of that fear is just represented by the whole entire system and how it's built and structured. Um, and it's just fear, fear of, it's like the same fear that the societies had towards witches and the power that they, they, they hold to alchemize incredible magic in reality and they burn them, you know? <laughs> it's the same fear. It's the same fear. It's the fear of the unknown. It's the fear of the power that we may have, you know? There is this beautiful uh, quote of like, I don't, I don't, I, I think I'm not quoting it exactly well, but it's kind of something like, um, you are not afraid of what you might not be, rather you're afraid of the, the actual powerful human being that you might be, like you from, from your light, that's what you're actually afraid of, that you may be powerful beyond measurement, beyond belief. Um, and I really, I really feel that, you know, um, and it's, it's always this choosing love over fear, choosing love over fear as an individual, as a collective, as a society, choosing love over fear. And love, while fear is whispering in your ear, you know, I'm trying to keep you safe. Love tells you you are safe. Go explore. It's okay. You know, you, you will go through some challenging experiences and some pain, but you come out of the other side, better human, with a better human experience. So go explore your sexuality. <laughs> yeah, that's really beautiful, man. I, um, I love that idea of, of love and fear. And I often like, I often bring that into the body as well, you know, like what does fear feel like in your body? And it often feels like constriction and contraction and tension and tightness and like feeling closed down. And um, you know, even at a sympathetic nervous system level, like it's your, uh, or even at a nervous system level, sorry, it is your sympathetic nervous system. It's your, it's your fear response, right? It's your fight or flight response, your survival response. It kind of keeps you in that state of anxiety and stress. But what does love feel like in your body? You know, it, it's openness, it's spaciousness, it's letting go, it's surrendering, it's opening, it's, it's you know, at a nervous system level, it's your parasympathetic nervous system. It's, it's being able to feel, it's being able to experience sensations of pleasure, but also, you know, sensations of pain as well like not closing down to those feelings but being you know welcoming them in and, and experiencing them in their fullest and um and that's what the parasympathetic nervous system kind of does it allows you to feel uh, and so i like part of like the work that i often talk about like in terms of like a physical thing is like transitioning from fear into love at a very basic nervous system level is you know transitioning from sympathetic nervous system to parasympathetic nervous system and um and just very like simple ways of doing that um yeah so i love the idea of like the like the the esoteric idea of love and fear but then even like the very most practical way of thinking about it um in terms of the body and and like what it physically feels like as well i think is like really um just really valuable to like add that to the conversation i thought as well I love that. Yeah, it's, it's it's contraction and expansion. You know, and it's very you're right. It's very easy to bring about this esoteric idea and making it understandable and, and cons like physically. When you tell people like, how does fear and control feels in your body, and how does love feel in your body? One feels like contraction, and like one feels like expansion. You know, um, yeah. I'm with you on that. There's a um, there's a, a translation or a definition of tantra that I quite like, which is to weave, right? To weave together. 
similar to like the definition of yoga, I suppose, which is to yoke or to like bring together in union. Um, and I often think of that idea of contraction and expansion as weaving together those two things, which is what kind of Tantra does, right? It weaves together contraction with expansion. And, um, and like, I'm kind of thinking, applying that same kind of understanding of like weaving those two things together in, um, in rope, right? In, in Japanese rope. And is there a way, um, in your experience that, you know, that you play with that element of fear or that element of contraction or, you know, um, resistance maybe even, uh, in your work with rope. One thing that like intuitively came up when you were asking that, and I don't know if this is exactly what you meant, but I felt that there is, and that's just one of the other many beautiful lessons that rope helped me deepen in my understanding is this continuous play of really tension and release, which can be similar to expansion and contraction. So in the rope and just in general, in lovemaking, in like any kind of erotic sexual play, um, and also in life in general, there is this continuous dance of tension and release, you know, tension and release, which creates the actual dance and the pleasure in connecting, you know, because if like, if, if even right now, like if we are speaking and both of us speaking the same tone, it's monotonic, and we're like this for the whole conversation, like, you know, there is no, you know, there is no expansion to it. There is no dance. There is no movement. It's just dry. And it's the same in lovemaking. Like if you just, both of you are in the same wavelength, in the same frequency, um, it's either going to be, so for example, if we take it back to rope, it's either going to be incredibly painful and, you know, like stressful all the time, or it's going to be way too soft and it's not going to create any intensity and the intensity and the actual epicness creates by this continuous mindful play of tension and release, tension and release. So I'm going to create something like a little bit tense or painful, like with the rope and I sense, and I feel it in her body. I feel like how she like, you know, it's like, and then immediately I'm going to, stroke her face or like hold her body in a hug in a way that is really like diffusing that tension. And I continuously do that. Like you, you do something sudden and then you let go. And it's the same. You, you can take the same kind of play of tension releasing every part of the connection, of the intimate connection, even kiss, for example. If you just stand there, hands, hands on the side of your body and just kiss each other in the same kind of rhythm for like an hour, it's incredibly dry, <clears throat> you know? But you, if you do something like you get your face closer to each other, your lips are almost touching and you stop there and you just look at each other in the eyes. Maybe you run your head, your hand on her throat a little bit or down her chest and kind of like make her crave that kiss. But then you don't give it. You go to the side and you like kiss her lips, uh, kiss her uh, cheek instead, for example. And then like, so it, it's always this kind of display. And I mean, one individual specific style is really open for interpretation. You are the artist. You are the artist of your own creation. The way you do it is your thing. I cannot teach you that, but I can teach you the leading principles that kind of like can give you a framework that you can be creative within. And so that idea of tension and release is one of them. Um, and this is one way that I'm playing with that in the rope because there is definitely fear there. It's both her fear, like, you know, what, what is it about? Is it going to be painful? How painful is it going to be? Maybe, maybe he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing and he can harm my body and so on, right? It is a valid fear. And there is also my fears, like, you know, is it, is it going to look good? Would, would she feel good? Maybe I suck at this, you know, like, will I be able to perform? You know, which you can take these fears and translate them to any interaction between two human beings, right? And then there is the moving towards that field, staying present with it and doing it anyway and giving in to the flow and releasing that tension of the field with love and compassion and like a compassionate touch or hum 
or a certain movement, like anything that diffused attention. Um, yeah, I feel that um, at least that's what came intuitively when you, when you spoke <laughs> about it. Yeah, I really like that, man. One of my teachers used to say that an orgasm, the way that we you know, kind of typically define it, is really going from a state of high tension to a state of low tension really quickly. And um, the like a, a, another one of my teachers used to, uh, he, he, he used an analogy of like a balloon. We, a lot of us have balloon sex where we, we blow up a balloon to the point where it pops and, and that's like what, that's what, like that's the way we have sex is we we blow up and blow up and blow up and blow up until we pop and like typically that's a an orgasm or an ejaculation and then like we're and then we're done um and so it's like interesting to to flip that around it's like instead of going from high tension to low tension really quickly what would it look like to go from low tension to high tension and, and play around with that um that process or or that um that scenario and um, and like, as, as you were sharing, like what came to mind was like pulling that rope tight. You know, you made that gesture of like creating that tension quite, and I, I don't know, I just, the way that you gestured, it made me assume that you create that tension quite quickly and, and create that experience in, um, her body quite quickly by using the rope in that way. Is that, is that what happens is like the tension kind of becomes quite intense, quite quickly. Sometimes. Sometimes it will be a sudden movement, but sometimes it will be like a slow and extended movement, but it just contracts and make it like painful or add a little bit of suffering to the experience just so I can um, balance that with something. So for example, I don't know, that play of tension and release is happening throughout the whole experience. It's what it's all about. But just like, for example, I, you know, there is this movement that takes her whole body up, for example. Now, those few first seconds can be really painful, you know, like suddenly her whole body is supported by a few ropes, right? And it, it gets in certain joints or places in the body, it gets a little tense, it gets a little bit painful. So I grab her whole body and kind of like carry her weight a little bit on me, you know, so I take out the pain. Suddenly she doesn't feel the rope so much and then maybe I caress her hair and then I put her back on the rope. For example, so I balance them all the time. So it can be something fast or sudden. It can be something more extended, but it's continuously being mindful for this dance of tension and release. Yeah, I like that, man, because it brings up this idea of like we oftentimes frame stress as being bad, right? Like stress is this bad thing that we don't want to we don't want to feel. Um, but I don't think that does stress justice because I think there's. I mean, to oversimplify it, I suppose there's bad stress and there's good stress, right? Like oftentimes in BDSM and kink and you know, fetish play, we are looking for that good stress, right? We're looking for the thing that kind of creates that tension or creates that, that, um, that intensification, I suppose, that little bit of pain, that little bit of suffering, whatever it is, because we get enjoyment from it, even though it is stressful, it's stressful in a good way that makes us feel, you know, that makes us feel a certain way, it makes us, you know, feel like we're enjoying it. So, you know, trying to get rid of all stress, I, I don't think is the right approach. And I often see like people, and I, I've also fallen into this trap that like, we only need to focus on pleasure. We're, you know, pleasure is all that sex is about. Pleasure is, you know, is, is the sole focus, but it's like part of pleasure can be experiencing that good stress or that good tension or that good contraction and constriction, um, whatever it is in your body. And then the release of that as well can amplify the pleasure. So I think that's like something that particularly, um, as you know, you were sharing, that's something that came up for me, but I think just in general, um, kink and fetish and BDSM is, is really good at exploring that quote unquote good stress. Do you reckon that's fair to say? Definitely. I mean, even if you look at just an orgasm, like a, um, an explosive orgasm, at least when it happens in the body, it requires a certain level of tension. It actually requires your um, sympathetic nervous system to be activated and trigger a stress response that eventually will lead to orgasm. Even there, there is a stress happening. You know, bringing a child to the world is an incredibly fucking mind-blowing experience, but it's, it requires a lot of stress and pain. Um, you know, 
reaching anything meaningful in life requires a certain level of going through suffering and pain to get there. And I think that's, it's very natural and, 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 and beautiful. And taking it back to the context of like power dynamics or sex, I think the difference should be <clears throat> a real fear of a real danger and an imposed fear of an unreal danger or something that is not really going to harm you, but rather create a, create a scenario in which, you know, um, there is something that outside of the safe container could potentially harm you. But you know very well that you can trust this safe container to be, to be safe for you, that you can trust this person to have your best interests at heart and so on. And that's really the difference between good and bad stress when it comes to sex and relationships. Like a lot of people out there have, you know, very intense fantasies, like wanting to be abducted or raped. You know, this is something that is not talked about too much. It's very much a taboo, but from statistics, at least, it seems like a lot of people have these kind of fantasies, wanting to be taken. Now, does that mean that they want it to happen to them in real life, in actual scenario? Of course not, right? That will be real danger. That will be bad stress. That will be a stress that will affect their nervous system and harm their body and harm their mental and physical health. But taking that um, fantasy, which why do we have these fantasies is a whole discussion in and of itself, but taking that fantasy and enacting it in a place that is safe and consensual, and, you know, that can be incredibly, incredibly intense in the best way possible, you know? And I've had the chance to enact this kind of intense scenes for people. Um, and it was fucking powerful, you know, not just in a pleasurable, not just in pleasure terms, but also like the intensity, the, 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 the levels of depth emotional depth and emotional release and healing that can occur in such spaces is incredible. And I think that that's really the, um, the deciding factor is the safety, the trust that is, that has to be established in order for us to go deeper into like darker corners of our psyche and explore maybe more intense fantasies and more strange and weird fantasies that we are having, knowing very well that we are not going to be judged, that our physical, mental, and spiritual well-being is going to be taken into account at any given moment, that we can stop it at any time without any judgment or problems, and so on and so forth. And that's really the difference between good stress and bad stress, because like you said, stress in and it of itself is necessary. You know, like you have to have a little bit pain to feel pleasure like life itself you know people um, try to run away from any painful experience like they try to make life this like smooth sail of just roses and happy moments but really well if you look back on your own life where were the moments that you met yourself and life nature the most in the most intimate way and had the most profound experiences was it through the hardest times of your life like someone that you love died or a relationship that has ended and broke your heart and it was difficult you know like those things as painful as they are they give us the most tremendous growth and i think it's the same in the macro level when we connect with each other you've got to bring some of that intensity into it otherwise it's just a dry land of I don't know, just the same thing, the same monotonic thing over and over and over again. Yeah, I think there's like a philosophical question in there of like, how can you know what pleasure is if you can't juxtapose it against pain, right? Or something that's not pleasurable, right? Because you, it's like, how do you know something if you don't know its opposite, you know? Like it's just then you've got nothing to compare it against. So um, yeah, I think, yeah I, I think you're right there, man. And um, yeah, there's, there's another whole rabbit hole and conversation to go down with regards to like exploring those fantasies of wanting to be taken and wanting to be, I mean, it's a, it's a fucking reason why 50 shades of gray is such a popular seller. It's why like all these novels about vampires abducting young women and all these, you know, movies of the same thing are like very popular. It's because it's tapping into this kind of underlying fantasy that a lot of people have about, Kind of, almost like wanting to be the center of attention, wanting to be the the 
the locus point of someone's sexual lust and desire. And um, yeah, there's, again, that's a whole another conversation that that maybe we'll have to go into in podcast episode number three between the two of us, man. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm down. I'm down as well, man. Uh, uh, the, and you're, you're sparking some interest. I'm going to talk to you after this. Um, I want to give you some some more book recommendations and uh, a resource that I think uh, you know, a person who you would, you would really resonate with, man. But um, yeah, thanks again, man, for just chatting with me. And um, this felt a lot more, um, I mean, it felt a lot more casual, but it felt a lot more comfortable as well. Because uh, the last time we spoke uh, on the podcast, that was the first time I'd really had a chat with you, mate. So, um, and now we've had a few chats since then. So I felt, I felt way more just at ease chatting with you, man. And it felt a lot more um, like a real catching up with a friend, which was really lovely for me. So thank you so much. Absolutely. My pleasure, man. I love, I love having you as a friend, as a colleague. I love being on your podcast. I root um, you and support you in any way that I can. Thanks, man. Thank you. Hey there, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Men's Sex and Pleasure podcast. If you find value from this content, then I encourage you to consider becoming a patron on my Patreon account. You can find the link for that in the description below. You'll have access to a whole bunch of perks, including behind-the-scenes podcast footage, as well as pre-release YouTube videos and patron-only writing, as well as the opportunity to have your name either shown in a YouTube video or read out in a thank you during the podcast. So like I said, if you enjoy this content and you'd like to support it and support me, then head to the link in the show notes below and consider becoming a patron. Thank you.